Hello, my name's Billy Reeves and this is the K-Scope podcast, Porcupine Tree, the much-anticipated deluxe edition of In Absentia, is out now. This is Trains.
remastered stereo and 5.1 surround sound mixes, additional studio recordings, loads of unreleased demos, and a 109-minute feature-length Lasse Hoyler-directed documentary on the Blu-ray, a four-disc set presented in a 100-page hardback book. To celebrate, I spoke to the worker bees, Richard Barbieri, Gavin Harrison and uh, Colin Edwin. At this point, the band had reached a crisis, their seventh LP, due to be recorded. Their first for a major, and the drummer suddenly left. Richard, Gavin and Colin take up the story. We were at the point where we were having our first uh, chance with a, with a major record label, and um, at the same time, everything seemed to be sort of falling apart a bit. So usually, when there's a big shift or a big change, that's when amazing things can happen. And also going to New York to record the album was, was quite a big deal because, you know, the locations have an effect as well. On the one hand, you think this is going to be very tense, it's going to be, but, but it kind of frees you up and you just have this feeling that something new's happening. Three weeks or something before they'd fallen out with Chris at Maitland and he'd left the band and they were in a total panic. Like, oh my God, we've got to go to New York and do this really, the most important album of our career. And the drummer's left, oh my God, we've got to get someone. And Richard Mm. said, oh, I've got a mate. He's a good session drummer. He'll come and do it. Right. So initially I was asked to play on In Accenture as a session musician. Mm. I think they booked 10 days to do the drums and I had it all done in five days because I'd done some homework. Mm. I wrote out some charts, uh, practised along, and then we went to John Henry's rehearsal room for an afternoon. Um, I think mostly to put Steve's mind at rest that I was going to be the guy. Steve didn't really know my drumming other than some of the bands I'd played for and was kind of, I guess, nervous that I would be, I don't know what, too funky or too light or any of those sort of things. So it wasn't an unusual situation to go to a studio, the band, artist, producer, engineer, record company people sitting there watching you, and um, you do the session. It's not something I'd want to do again. You know, I don't like recording with an audience, it's a bit <laughs> yeah. painful, yeah. but it's something I've done so many times up till then, it wasn't unusual. We had a schedule that we had to fulfill, so um, yeah, it was a bit like, what should we do now? And we, we sort of <laughs> had a, there'd been a few names floated about by the management, and there'd been a few other people maybe we were considering, and then Gavin's name came up, and I knew Gavin, I didn't know him that well personally, but I knew. I knew his background, I knew what he'd done, I knew that he'd be capable of doing it, mm. which was all we were looking for at that point. We weren't looking for a permanent member. It was just mm. someone to do the record. And Well, he did a really good job, really quick. He fitted mm. in really well, cause, because A, he was English, and we all understood his humour. Mm. Um, it was all, that was kind of a big part of Chris. <laughs> Maitland's thing was his very amusing character. So he kind of fitted in very fast on that, on a personal level. And then, you know, musically, uh, he just, um, he he was very confident. He might not have felt mm. it because he was in the studio with a bunch of people he didn't know. Mm. But he, he'd obviously had a lot of experience mm. and he knew, he had a lot of ideas, he had a lot of creativity as well. So he'd done his homework on the material um, in the short time that he had between getting the call and coming over to America. So 
he'd uh, he he just kind of hit hit it, you know, running, you know, and it works out. If you have an expectation, you set yourself up for a disappointment. Yeah. And at the same time, for my, I mean, I always felt that I knew we were going to have to do a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, we were told that at the time, you know, and before we signed, you know, you're going to have to go to America quite a lot. You're going to have to travel mm. a lot. This, you know, you can't. Um, it's a major commitment because mm. at the end of the day, someone's putting a lot of money into it. And venture capital. Yeah. yeah, you know, and it's just, it's on a serious. You can't sort of ring them up and say, "Oh, I don't want to do next weekend." Yeah, <laughs> there's none of that. So it's a bit more serious uh, on that level. You have to commit. And also, we knew at that point it was a really good opportunity. Mm. Um, but I didn't. I thought it would have sold a lot. Um, but then I wasn't that surprised at the time when it didn't catch fire really mm. you know I mean so many things have to come together mm. and at the same time I could still see that we were always reaching newer people it's like the it's like throwing a pebble in a mm. pond you know you could see the ripples going out and getting bigger you know it's just maybe slower than yeah. we would have hoped but I mean you know people still talk about the record well people are still interested we're still, in we're still buying
course there was the tour with yes colin then gavin then richard yeah i didn't think it was a good idea um <laughs> it was somebody else's idea we had to go along with it and it was uh, wasn't an enjoyable experience at all um it was pretty <laughs> horrible for our crew and i think there was some beef going on at a level we didn't understand so we got the sharp end of it which is often the case and i don't think it was that great for them i think some of the gigs that they were doing were probably not right for them mm. Um, it was really obvious that they hated each other because um, <laughs> they all sort of turned up five minutes before they had to play and didn't talk to anybody, you know. And only one of them came over and said hello to us. Who was that? Uh, it was Alan White, actually. Oh, all the others completely ignored Jockey. us or just didn't <laughs> give a shit, you know. <laughs> to be honest. So there was a bit of a bad vibe, you know. I mean, it helps yeah. sometimes with supports, but uh, I didn't enjoy it for a second, to be honest. Uh, it was a nightmare, quite <laughs> frankly. Doors opened at seven, we went on at half past seven, played to quarter past eight. Uh, in those days, more than social media, there were forums and chat oh, rooms. Course, yeah, yeah. And um, they said their fa- or oh, this is how we were told it, their fans were getting miffed that they couldn't do their three-hour set because we were eating up the time. So they said, right, tomorrow night you're doing a half an hour set. And we said, okay. So we went on, at, doors open at seven, we went on at half seven, played till eight. And then they said, after a couple of nights of that, they said, all right, you're going on at seven. I said, well, that's when the doors open. <laughs> yes. So I remember, clearly remember one night, the four, well, with Wes, of course, the five of us came out on stage and there was literally not one person. It was an empty room. And Steve turned around to me and said, when shall we start? And I said, well, I don't know. <laughs> then the doors opened and people trickled in. How, how long should we wait before we start playing? Because now we've only got 25 minutes. So we probably didn't start playing till 10 past seven. It was probably a place that held two and a half thousand and we played to a few hundred <laughs> bemused people walking in <laughs> i think at that point perhaps yes actually didn't want us to be their yeah. opening act they didn't want an opening act they were actually playing close to the edge in their classic sort of a repertoire with al- almost <laughs> yeah. a classic lineup and they all had separate dressing rooms and you could see the you know no the tour manager had to take notes between each dressing room to see what set list they could agree on and Fantastic. You know, that's... Fantastic. And um, I, that's the way it always goes in the yeah. end. <laughs> um, but I, I watch a show every night. I loved it. It was great. What are the odds on a reunion? I asked first Gavin, then Richard, and finally Colin. I can't see it happening at the moment. I mean, we've never split up. 
we've never said that's it it's never going to happen uh there's a chance it could happen i've heard that the band will be touring again from so many people <laughs> except that's, that's all i can say oh, okay. i've heard it from you know i've heard it from sort of people surrounding the band connected with the yeah. band it's been so long you know, I, I would have happily of uh, carried on mm. with the group as I wanted to. Yeah. Um, even up to seven years after we stopped, I would still have just come back into it in an instant. Um, and then at some point, it, it kind of, you sort of let go of something. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm kind of in that headspace that I just got on and did my own albums and I'm quite happy, as, as the other guys are, quite happy to... to to leave that but on the other hand there's always that niggling thing about i you know i don't think that the incident was the best album to go out on mm. i don't think the tour that tour was the best tour to go out on when it all becomes quite comfortable and, and that's what you end up with that yes situation, yes situation yeah. <laughs> Classic line. What are the odds on the reunion? You have to find William Hill. No, they're not offering. <laughs> not offering. No, it's a specific. Not offering no specific it's, it's specific prog rock <laughs> bookies. Uh, what are the odds? It's going to be you know uh, Elvis on the Moon odds. I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So do, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take those. So a little bit less than Leicester City winning the Premier League. But. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, sir. Hear the sound of music drifting in the aisles Elevator Prozac stretching out for miles Music of the future will not entertain It's only meant to repress and neutralize your brain
going down, I know It's one of the blunders of the world No one cares, no one cares One of the wonders of the world Tree, the sound of Muzak, and before that, Blackest Eyes, the deluxe edition of In Absentia is out now. My thanks to Richard, Gavin, and Colin. Now, talking of classic bands, Tangerine Dream are the subject of a free exhibition at London's Barbican, Zeitraffer, a Barbican music library exhibition. We're going to play this from Recurring Dreams as it's been featured in Grand Theft Auto 5. This is Los Santos City Map.
Dreams, Tangerine Dream, Los Santos uh, City Map. Some shows uh, to remind you of. Godsticks are on tour in support of their new album, Inescapable. The band are going to announce some more shows, but at the moment it goes like this. The 2nd of April, Cardiff. The 3rd of April, London at Camden Town. The 4th of April, Edinburgh. The 5th of April, Manchester. Anathema, we're here because we're here. The 10th anniversary tour, 6th to the 24th of March across Europe. Anathemamusic.com for more details. Gong have announced a UK tour throughout November. Tesseract at the end of March and April are in South America. Edwin from Osric Tentacles, solo dates in April and May throughout Europe. And Stephen Wilson, of course, the European Arena tour in support of his new album, The Future Bites, in September. And Jonathan Hulten has signed to K-Scope. The Grammy award-winning guitarist's first solo LP is released on the 13th of March. It's entitled Chance from Another Place. And Jonathan will be opening for Chelsea Wolfe on tour throughout the UK and Europe in March 2020. Tickets selling fast the 22nd of March. They're at the Alexandra Palace Theatre in London. And there's a second single from the album available now to see on the K-Scope site or on YouTube. Amazing video, another amazing video. This is Jonathan Hulten, Wasteland.
Jonathan Hulten, Wasteland. Thanks very much for everybody that got in touch about Porcupine Tree on the K-Scope podcast group on Facebook. Join us there. Also, I'm on Twitter, at K-Scope podcast. Join me on both or either of those for my big Porcupine Tree giveaway. Thanks very much for listening. Please share, like and subscribe wherever you find this podcast. My thanks to the artists uh, for their time and the wonderful music that makes this podcast possible keep music independent now the next podcast will feature Mariana Semkina the award-winning vocalist of the award-winning I Am The Morning her debut solo album Sleepwalking is out now on K-Scope this is entitled Still Life see you soon ta-da. <laughs>